0: As taken from the text, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The, the Greek speaking believers complained about the Hebrew speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against <clears throat> in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running the food program. Um, are you not able to see? Yeah, yeah this is um, yeah, read together. Uh, <clears throat> and so, brothers, select seven men who were well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom, we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochabas, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch. And earlier, convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted to the word of God. Please be seated. Our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray, that we pray today that as we meditate upon your word, that it would enrich our lives, that it would um, strengthen us and feed us and direct us through it. And to that end, O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our rock and redeemer. So today we are going to look at one of the problems that arose in the early church um, and how the apostles went about solving it. Our passage is the start of um, Acts chapter 6, right, as you know, and the scholars who um, study the um, early church history and do the chronological research, tell us that where we are today is about five years from the start of the church, just five years from the day of Pentecost. So the church at this time has been intensely growing, growing extremely fast and uh, and as it's been growing, it's actually, crossing over to new ethnic groups. In this case, the ethnic group that was coming into the church were the Greek speaking believers who were originally Jewish. They were Jews who grew up in other parts of the world, the um, the Jewish diaspora, and therefore, they actually had other other tongues. But these Jews had returned to live in Jerusalem at this present time. We also know that this community had many widows um, among it. How so? Well, one of the things that um, we also know that the diaspora of Jews um, did in those days is that when they reached retirement age, they came to Jerusalem to live out their twilight years. And one of the things that got has arranged is that men usually die sooner than women. It was true then it's even true today, right We know this happens for a reason today because people have done the research to figure out why do women always live longer than men. I mean in general of course there are exceptions to that. one of the one of the things that they found out is that women actually have better immune systems than men do. And maybe God designed that, so that women can handle the challenges and stress of child right? Um, but because they were uh, greek speaking uh, community of Jewish retirees, there were a lot of widows therefore in that group, and they were all Greek speaking. Now in those days, the 401k and the social security plans were not invented yet. And so the only way these people actually uh, were able to survive was because the church took care of them. In those days, the Jewish uh, system had two kinds of programs. One was called the kappa, and this was a weekly dole of money that was given uh, to the residents needy, the people who um, had needs and they were long term residents. And then, uh, and this amount was equivalent to 14 meals. So, um, so they could survive for a week with two meals a day. And this was handed out to them by going to their home every Friday. There was a second program that the church would run called the uh, Tamhuvi. And now this Tamhuvi was a daily distribution of meals that included food and drink and was delivered house to house to serve those who were what is called as the transient needy. So they came there and for some time they had needs and it was given to them. So these two Jewish programs were both incorporated into the church. Both the Kappa and the Kambhuri. But here is where things got challenging. Right? You see, when you serve the needy You also have to have a pretty good system where you have to keep track of where the needy are, right? Who are the needy and where they live. You also want to make sure that there's no fraud in the system. And so that the resources that you have are going to the right people, right? In this case, the needy were Greek speaking and the leadership was Arabic speaking. So when you don't speak the language, how do you have a grasp of where the resident and the transient needy are, right? This is a challenge. Only insiders usually have a real handle on details like this. It's kind of like if we started a food distribution program um, to take care of the needy in the Hispanic and the congolese speaking community, right? Now, surely if we were the only ones running this program, There will be a lot of people who really needed the help that did not get the help because we really could not figure out where the real needs were in the community right so in those days because the 12 apostles were in charge of all the programs in the church um and they when they in all the the programs and because of the language issues that i uh, i talked about they were Arabic-speaking um, or Hebrew people, the Hebrew people's needs got met because they knew where the needs were. But many of the Greek-speaking people, their needs were not being met. Now, this huge distribution was not the intent of the leadership. I mean, we have to be clear about that. Right? They did not want or intend to be partial. But the system was had a flaw in it and therefore it was not functioning the way it needed to function. So when you step back, um, you can clearly see that the apostles then were spending a lot of time managing the food program that they were not in a position to manage, right? At the same time, all the time and effort and energy they spent into managing this food program was time that they were taking away from being the first hand witnesses to Jesus that only they could do, right? Now this was clearly not ideal. So what did they do when this problem came to their attention? You see, they suggested that some elders be selected from the insiders who were well respected, full of the spirit and able to manage the program well. They presented this idea to the church. The idea was extremely well received, and the congregation helped to implement their solution. What they did is they selected seven people, all of whom Greek-speaking. How do we know that? It's by the names. The names are given to tell us that they were Greek-speaking people. The apostles then laid their hands on them, blessed them, and empowered them to take over the program. And they went on to focus on their unique apostle responsibilities. When you look at the big picture, you see that there was a problem in the community that emerged because of the rapid growth that had taken place in the church. The problem was brought to the attention of the apostles. The apostles then acknowledged the problem, they suggested a the solution, the community accepted the the suggestion and implemented it and because these steps were taken the original problem of the Greek-speaking widows being left out was solved and the church continued to grow and expand as the apostles continued to witness to Jesus and involve more and more people in the leadership of the church. Now, before we go on, there's one more dynamic that I want to explore. You see, we have to also ask the question um, you know, the apostles were fantastic at solving the problem that was brought to their attention. But how did this problem arise in the first place? In other words, the apostles were so focused on their calling to be witnesses. So, how did they get sucked into spending so much time? doing something that they should not have been doing in the first place. Let's rewind the tape of the history of the church to go back to the point of Pentecost. At that time, the apostles were focused on teaching about Jesus spending a lot of time in prayer and doing amazing miracles. As a result, more and more people believed the church grew. Now as the church grew, the needs of the congregation grew. Now, we also know that the church growth usually happens in PIPSI populations. One of the peas in pipsy um, it's an acronym that we use a lot in the church. Uh, it says of so the poor, the international, the prisoner and the sick. So one of those peas is the poor, right? The widows at the time were the poor people and they had no source of income or support and they needed someone to provide them the food. So the church then started a food ministry. With the food ministry, you have to cook the food, you have to distribute it, you have to distribute money, where you cannot actually distribute food. And so you have to know where the needs are. And the leaders are people who ask those questions, right? They find out what needs to be done. And then their first instinct is to jump in and do it. So initially they went to five houses to distribute food and then they went to 10 houses. Initially, the people that were being served were all Arabic speaking and so they, they did it well. They knew how to do it. And when somebody had a need, the message got passed around till it reached the years of the leadership and the leadership made sure that they were put on the list, they were verified and their needs were taken care of. But at some point, as the groups expanded and new, and a new ethnic group got added to the list of Christ followers, they too had the same needs. The problem, though, is that the apostles kept doing what they were doing, and they didn't put a new system in place to take care of the new situation. Right. The main reason for this is that the leadership was so busy taking care of all these people that they didn't have the time to think about what they were doing, or whether the whole system was running well. They just reacted to the needs that came to their attention. And as they say, the crying child gets the milk. You know, and so you have all these emergencies, you have the needs that are visible to you, you take care of those needs. And, um, and over time, you, you, you lose track of what's happening, in the big picture, right? So after five years of intense growth, what were small needs that were missed out became big needs. These growing pains emerged and the systems to take care of the needs had completely changed. But this story has a happy ending. When the problems were brought to the notice of the apostles as we had noted, The apostles acknowledged the problem, prayed, prayed, proposed a solution. The congregation then um, uh, picked up seven insiders who met the criteria that the apostles had laid down. They were given the authority to, to run the program. And finally, the 12 apostles then went back to preaching the good news and being the most important first-hand witnesses to Jesus Christ in the history of the church. Right? That's how the story ends. Now the critical question for us is, what lessons can we learn from this situation? After all, we are trying to run a food distribution at this point anyway. So I would like to focus on two major lessons for our church. First is that we have to make sure that we adjust our systems to the situation that we are in. We can't be doing the same things when we were in the growth phase of the church and then continue the same things in the plateau phase of the church and continue the same things in the downward phase of the church. When you are going uphill, when you're driving uphill, you need to make sure that your legs are constantly on on the gas pedal, right? But then when you are on the flat terrain, you don't, you don't have your legs so heavy on the gas pedal, but it is hovering over the gas pedal, just in case you need to give the car a little bit more gas. And then when you go on the downward uh, slope, your leg is not on the, the gas pedal anymore, but it is hovering over the brake pedal so that you can, you're ready to, to brake whenever you need, right? Now, if your leg is not on the right pedal at the right time, based on the situation that the car is in, then you are likely to stall or crash the car. And that's not what you want, right? And so the apostles then had to adjust their methods and approach to what was relevant for the phase of the church that they were in when they were in a multi, multi-ethnic, rapidly growing church, they had to have the leadership that reflects what the church was at that time, so that they could be functioning well and doing what they needed to do as a church. Our situation may be different from what the church was in Acts chapter six, but we too are a new faiths. And God is calling us to adjust our actions to the phase that we are in. If not, the consequences will not be good. The second lesson from this text is that you should always make sure that everybody is doing the job that they are both qualified to do and called to do. When I say qualified, I mean qualified in God's eyes. Now, You might be wondering, what is qualified in God's eyes mean? Well, it's this. If you look at this passage, the apostles asked for two things on the resume of the person. This person, uh, the the candidates chosen, had to be people who were well-respected by all, which means a person who had a good track record of using God's wisdom to to conduct their lives. And secondly, it it had to be someone who was filled with the spirit. In other words, someone who knew how to exercise God's power in their lives. So two qualifications for leadership in the church, God's wisdom and God's spirit power. So this takes care of the qualification part of it. But then you have another requirement and that is the requirement of the call, right? The call on an individual is what God has put in your heart to do. What are you passionate about? This is best understood by looking at the examples, right?
1: The apostles
0: were called to witness and to preach. What they could testify to, nobody else in the history of the world would have been able to testify to, right? And so for them to do anything else with their time would be a loss for the church for all ages to come because it is what they preached and what they testified to that became for us the new testament right it's a book that we rely on it's a book that the church of all ages relies on and you you can examine Paul in a in a, in a deeper way we don't have the time to do that but if you look at um, Moses god called Moses to do something specifically Um, God called Abraham to do something specifically. And God has always operated like this. He has has spoken to individuals and he has called them for a specific task that he wanted them and nobody else to be doing, right? Now you and I are not not such big figures, right? I mean, and what we do is not that important. Um, Especially as compared to the apostles, right? However, the Bible says that each one of us has been created absolutely uniquely, um, and not only that, that we have been given a task that only we can do. God has prepared good works for us to do from the foundations of the earth.
1: In other words, when God was designing
0: this whole earth and He was thinking about, you know, where to place the stars and what capacity to give the earthworms. When he was designing the blueprint of the entire universe, he also had already designed each one of us. And he had designed our days. And every day he had designed the things that we have to do that would please him and that was only for us to do. If we discover that, that is our call. And so, The question then for us is in our local church, how many of us are doing the things that meet these two criteria? The things that we are qualified to do and the things that we are called to do. You may be the only person who can talk about a piece of the history of this church. You may be the only person who can minister to a particular individual. You may be the only person who can encourage somebody in your life and build something that the church needs. Now, if you're not doing what you are called to do, then the time will come when the sun sets and as Jesus puts it, the time for doing that work will be over. We will not be able to do work beyond that time. Everybody has a window of time to operate in. And then if we don't do what we needed to do, then that will be left unknown for all of history. So it is very important that God's servants are functioning in their call. And to make that happen, we have to be like the apostles, finding people who are qualified to delegate the tasks or to contract it to someone. Now you might ask the question, what if there is nobody to do something. What if there is nobody to delegate or there's no money to contract the task for? Well, if God then has not called others to fill the task that we think needs to be done or provided the resources for the contract that needs to be given out, then maybe God doesn't want that task to be done. Maybe it's time to let go of that task. Because the church was never supposed to be a place that would be a burden for anybody. Just like the Sabbath was created for our rest. It was never created to burden us with new rules to follow, right? The church was never created to be a burden. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When the church becomes a burden, there is something wrong there and Jesus is not in it because that's not Jesus' church. And if Jesus is not in it, then it's definitely time to let go. On the other hand, the church is supposed to be the body of Christ where one person is the eyes and the other person is the nose and, the, and another person is the hands and another is the feet. Now, if the body loses, say, a leg, one leg, you can be hopping around. If you lose both legs, you will be stuck in a place and you cannot move. But you might be so determined that you might figure out how to do a handstand and use your hands both for for walking and for the tasks that only hands can do, right? You may be able to do that for some time. But soon, you're going to be tired and overburdened. That's when you start feeling that the church itself is a burden. So is there a magic number for a group that, that continues on as a church? I don't think so. But when you have a, a, a body with vital parts that are missing, then you don't have a body, you have just a collection of overburdened organs. At that point, you know that it's time to let go. So if we have learned anything from the apostles' actions from our text today, it is that when the situation on the ground changes, it is time to change the way that we operate. Secondly, we don't have when we don't have a full team to do what the church needs to do, then we are not a body of Christ anymore, but a bunch of overworked organs that's not the kind of church that Jesus Christ had in mind. So the question then for all of us is when you apply the lessons from Acts chapter 6 into our worshiping community, the question is how can we be reconfigured so that we move from being overburdened organs to a new setting in which each one of us are beautifully, beautifully functioning organs within a full body of Christ. Each of us doing the things that we are qualified to do and the things that we are called to do. And so that each of us are being energized and feel light because Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. May God answer that prayer for each one of us in the days to come. Let us pray. A loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for being with us and for speaking to us and for giving your word and giving us examples of the church and how the church functions. What the church looks like when it is full of life and when it is um, full of people who are driven by a calling, when it is meeting the needs of people and when people are, being, are overflowing with joy. Help us a lot to 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 function, to find that space, so that when we um, when we go to church, when we um, think about our calling, when we think about the big picture, we know that everything is in place the way it should be. So speak to us, man. guide us, and give us the wisdom we need to we need um, to um, to figure out what we need to do. Because we know that your plans are good. Your plans are perfect. Your your ways are higher than our ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.